the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As uh, as mentioned earlier, it is a delight, a privilege, and an honor to welcome back to the show uh, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. Among other things, he is the uh, Martin and Illy Anderson Senior Fellow in Classics and Military History at the Hoover Institution. His uh, most recent book, The Dying Citizen. Professor Hansen, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I, I have to tell you, it doesn't require comment on your part. I was recently um, interviewing uh, Heather MacDonald, and it came up naturally on the show. We were talking about scholars among us, living scholars, um, the top five uh, in, our, in, our, in our listeners' audience that they would always want to read whenever they wrote. And everyone uh, in audience that responded uh, put your name on that list, which I, of course, did as well. Uh, so thank, thank you. you. It is a real privilege and honor having you, uh, uh, having you be with us again uh, today. Your, um, your piece uh, that published uh, today, Who Are the Real Insurrectionists?, it's a fabulous uh, tour of recent history, and of course, insurrection is is a word that probably not a lot of Americans thought about until about I don't know a year ago. But but go ahead if you would, if you wouldn't mind, telling the audience what your what your major point and thesis is here, because there has been an insurrection or series of insurrections taking place. It's just like that old line, if there was a war and nobody showed up, right? It's, it's, it's that no one called it that, and no one thought of it that way. Yeah, I think why everybody's attention on the left, of course, is to turn January 6th into some kind of civil war, in the words of the Vice President, Pearl Harbor, 9-11. And while I've written a lot, and I know you've talked a lot about the 120 days that were really exempt from criticism where we had... 30 to 40 deaths, 2,000 officers injured, 2 billion in damage. Those were the violent, that was the violent uh, manifestation. But in the shadows, there's been this insidious thing going on for two or three years, but it's really now come out in the open under Biden and the Democratic-controlled Congress. And that's a way of changing the system and the demography in a revolutionary fashion. So for the first time in my life, there is no border. Two million people just walked across, and the government, just nullified in good Confederate fashion, said the law no longer exists at a time of pandemic, no less. And then we have 550 jurisdictions that just said immigration law does not exist as you think it exists in our jurisdictions. No ICE uh, officer will be able to deport any convicted illegal alien in our territory. That was kind of like, I don't know, South Carolina in 1860 or 1832 or three. And then those are even even more insidious is that we have this attempt to destroy the system that they feel will not guarantee them the desired results. So the 180-year filibuster, now it's on the block. It will be can't, they'll try to find some way. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they want to get rid of it. Uh, it's a Senate rule. If they get 51, whether the vice president's eligible to vote, I don't know. But they want to get rid of it now. 
They want to get rid of the nine-person, 150-year-old tradition in the Supreme Court. They want to get rid of the national uh, electoral college. They want to get rid of the state's supremacy under the Constitution of establishing balloting laws and national elections. They want to get rid of 60-year tradition of uh, 50 states. And and I could go on and on. Yeah. They, they want, and then finally, there are people within the bureaucracy, the administrative state, who are judge, jury, and executioner. They're just absolutely exempt, and they feel they should be exempt from consequences. So we have something called Article 88, the Uniform Court of Military Justice, says retired officers cannot, in a subversive manner, attack the President of the United States, the mm-hmm. Commander-in-Chief. Mm-hmm. And yet, we saw about a dozen of them called Trump, right at the height of these controversies, a Nazi, a fascist, akin to Auschwitz, uh, a liar who should be, I'm quoting Admiral uh, McRaven, should be, uh, should leave sooner than later in an election. We had retired officers, Nagel and uh, Yangley, I think his name was, that wrote a letter calling on Milley, who himself had violated the chain of command mm-hmm. to remove Trump if there was a contested election. Mm-hmm. And so we had Rosa Brooks 11 days into the Trump administration wrote a very influential article in Foreign Policy saying there's only three ways of getting rid of this guy, the 25th Amendment, or impeachment, or a military coup. And so this has been going on, and it's unprecedented, and yet there was no no one said, hey, you officers, you're violating a statute, and you're subject to penalty for doing that. Or no one said to General Milley, you violated the chain of command. That's against the law. You can't do that. Or no one said to James uh, Clapper and John Brennan, you lied under oath to Congress. Or to Andrew McCabe, you lied three times to a federal investigator. Or to James Comey, you said you'd lost your memory 245 times under oath to the House Intelligence Committee. And so that, those are all revolutionary acts because they all had one theme, and that was the end of getting rid of Trump and what he represents justified as any means necessary to achieve them. There's there's an old Latin phrase you would you would know it much better than I will and I'll butcher it I hope I don't I don't mean to I, I first learned about it in in Up from Liberalism 1959 book from Bill Buckley uh, I think it's quad licit jovi non licit bovi <laughs> do I have that close yeah, to right yeah. <laughs> it seems like yeah. we're in that kind of world uh, what's good for the uh, what's good for the gods is not what's good for I think Buckley said swine but it would really be cattle you take the yeah, point cattle. yeah yeah right we yeah. we, we kind of live in that kind of thing in that kind of world. World, it seems like, um, and and we talk about it fairly calmly. I mean, the most you're going to do is write a column. The most I'm going to do is give a speech. You might write a book about it as well. Uh, that's the most we're going to do about it. But the way uh, your column today reads is, unless Americans kind of wake up, not only to the recent history but the ancient history that's being buried here. We're going to wake up in a country we don't recognize mighty soon. Uh, Hamilton put it in Federalist One. You begin uh, – demagoguery commences, but tyranny ends it is where it ends, right? Yeah, I think we've always said – I mean, we've had cheating and elections all the time. And one side get caught or accuse the other. Mostly they were Democrats. But what's new now, this is not the old Democratic – uh, JFK rigging some machines in Cook County. 
This is something different. This is a Jacobin, hardcore leftist group that doesn't like the Constitution and doesn't like what America was, is, or will be. And it's trying to change radically the method in which people govern themselves. So they're trying to preemptively call people racist unless you uh, repeal the idea of a voter ID. And it's just absurd. I mean, I went into the store yesterday in a very Hispanic neighborhood where I live out in the country, and every three or four people were casting checks. They had no problem showing their ID. Right. And the idea that poor people can't produce an ID is absurd. But if you call a person a racist, they're trying to move what is absurd to the center and then preemptively we on the conservative traditional side say, okay, please don't call me a racist. I'll drop the ID. Right. Or they say democracy will die in 2022 or democracy will be destroyed by a coup if Trump comes back. Well, please, we won't do that then. We'll try to do something. And you can't deal with Jacobins or Bolsheviks. You just can't do it. And they don't... Anytime that you try to reach out or compromise, they see that as weakness or an indication that you're failing. So I think a lot of Americans on the traditional side were so busy with our communities and family and jobs, we've ceded the political realm, and they are they are 24-7 people. They don't sleep. And we've just sort of dropped out, kind of a monastery of the mind. You know, we don't go, well, we don't go to Hollywood movies. We don't watch the NBA. We don't go onto Twitter, we could care less about uh, the Oscars or the Emmys or the Tonys. And we just, but the problem is they come after you. And that, that's one. The, yeah, no, I think you're right. That's one problem. The other problem is we have to live with fellow citizens who do watch that stuff, even non or yeah. apolitical ones, and believe it. Yeah. Right? And, and the same way. I mean, yeah. they want your children, they right. want your right. kids in college, they want. That's what they want to do. So if you don't resist it and fight back, um, you're going to lose. And you just can't. Everybody can't move to Knoxville, Tennessee, or to you know Northern Montana or Wyoming. It's just not feasible. So when everybody says, "Well, everybody's self-selecting," you know, I've been here for my family's been here for 150 years in this house in the Central Valley. It's a very conservative place. There's California is 40 million people, but 15 million of them are not only conservative, they're more conservative than people in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And if anybody goes up to the Sierra Foothills or up to Northern California, the Inland Empire or Delano or Fresno or Bakersfield, it's a very conservative area. And you just don't want to write off the state. So I think we need to stand up and say, look, these people are destroying the American experience. And here's how they're doing it. And we're going to fight back. And we're not going to be intimidated. And the same has to, it has to be a multi-front war, you know, in the university and the foundation, on Wall Street, um, finance, Silicon Valley. I mean, uh, there are people. Believe me, I work in Silicon Valley, but there are people under the radar that will contact you and say you have no idea how bad yeah. it is here. Yeah. So I, I think we have to. I think the right is catching on to that now, and. Uh, and they're, they're they're determined not to just see the never Trump experience that you know that Trump didn't play by the Marcus of Queensbury rules. So I'm just going to take I'm just going to quit and I'm going to go join them. Or I'm not going to drop out. That didn't work. It's Joe Biden and this agenda, and everybody understands that. I think. I, I hope so. I hope they're getting that. I, I and and I guess our task is to show how Biden isn't playing by the Marcus of Queensbury rules. You you heard probably of Biden's and Kamala Harris's 
odd history yeah. lesson today. Uh, add, adding adding January sixth to the list of days we'll never forget, uh, like November twenty uh, second or, or, or December seventh. And you know what struck me, Professor, because you love history so much. I, I just wonder if this bothers you as much as it bothers me. You know, there has been several incidences of violence on the Capitol, on the U.S. Capitol. There was the uh, Puerto Rican leftists in 1954 yep. who shot five congressmen. There was Bill Ayers in 1971 who says he wished he did more and was totally unapologetic. Um, and, and, of course, there were the five communists in 1983 who bombed the U.S. Capitol. And what's interesting about that, all of those left-wing acts of violence – by the way, Jimmy Carter pardoned the Puerto Ricans. Bill Clinton pardoned the 1983 communists. Never makes the history books. It just they just write that out. That must bother you that there's only one kind of violence that America that stirs Americans in this country. Yeah, and I, and it's not just you know it's not just history and history. It's just present. Remember, just in the summer of 2000, yes. they assaulted a civil riots hotel. throughout the country. Yes, and yeah. federal property, and they went into police precincts. Yep. They burned down, tried to burn down, and burned partially. The St. John's Episcopal iconic church. Yep. So they they don't care about iconic buildings or federal property, and yet they've made this into well, how dare you attack federal property? And nobody that I know in the main conservative thought that these guys were anything other than clownish and boorish and sort of buffoonish that that went in there and desecrated the Capitol for a day. And I understand anybody who did that should be punished. But the idea that they were, even, you know, Christopher Ray's FBI did an investigation, and they said they found no evidence That's these right. people were conspiratorial insurrection. That's right. They were just a guy with cattle horns, you know, and that buffoonish outfit and war paint is not an insurrection. An insurrection is somebody who sits down and says, we're going to get money from this source and this source, and we're going to destroy this type of government or this institution, or we're going, we're going to go out and shoot a congressman as James Hodgkinson did. But this is different, and it was, uh, and yet for Kamala Harris to say that, I was shocked when I heard her because I thought, well, they would not let her talk because she's embarrassed herself. But then when she started talking about the 2,400 dead at Pearl Harbor or the 3,000 dead on 9/11, I kept thinking, wow, you're going back to to the original lies that five people were killed, is that mm -hmm. what you're saying? Mm -hmm. When we know that only one died by the hand of another, and that was a Trump supporter who was unarmed, a military veteran, and was shot for the crime of, I guess it was a, a low-level felony or a high-level uh, misdemeanor. One would call it breaking and entering in most circumstances. Yeah. 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 And yeah. usually when you shoot somebody... Unarmed, yeah. Yeah, the policeman's picture is all over the New York Times with a whole description of where he lives and everything. And we're supposed he to say even... the victim's name, too. I bet no liberal yeah. knows the name Ashley no. Babbitt. No, no one no one knows no. that name. Nobody knew that. No. So I think they knew it all. That was what was so baffling. That when Biden, as he does now, is his want. He gets so angry. Get off my grass type of mm. elderly outrage. And you, you wanted to say, well, wait a minute. Officers... Picnic died of natural causes after the left said he was bashed in or died from bear spray. That was a lie. Your FBI found no conspiracy. That was a lie. That was, you said you people said it was an armed insurrection. Nobody that went inside the Capitol building had a gun or used a gun. 
you said that people died, you know, by, there was only one person that died by on She's a Trump supporter. She was unarmed. She weighed 105 pounds. And so I would like at this point, given this date that they're going to try to iconicize, I would like to see something like the Warren Commission get it out of the hands of Congress and get six hardcore conservatives and give them their liberal and investigate the 120 days of rioting, who was behind it, what happened to the people were charged, and then do the Capitol. And let's get everything out. The video. I'm in. The, good. Let's do. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. We, we, yeah. By the way, we could start on our side. I didn't mention one of your other great new ventures. You have a great new podcast, Scholars and Sense. You, Bill Bennett, and Conrad Black. You could be three great independent <laughs> outside unelected members of anything who could be on that. I, I, that would be a dream come true. Be a yeah, that's what true. I, was, I was thinking. I think that we would finally learn about both incidents. And the you people, bet. I mean, they were saying, well, two people were using parlor to communicate when they were in the Capitol, and that was one of the reasons we shut it down. Okay, let's find out who in Seattle and who in BLM and who Antifa were communicating over Facebook to design to plan which store was going to be looted or burned. And who was so raising funds for them, by the way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Professor. And I, and I think... I think that's what should be our position, and I, I don't think they want that at all. Oh, they don't. No, sunlight is is the thing they fear the most. Professor, thank you for keeping uh, your eye on it and shedding it. Uh, your most recent book, The Dying Citizen, fabulous, must read. Your podcast with Bill Bennett and um, Conrad Black, Scholars and Sense, and of course your great column uh, today. Um, uh, just fabulous. Who are the real insurrections? Professor Hansen, thank you for everything you do and everything you are. Thank you. God bless Appreciate you, sir. It. Godspeed. Bye. And Happy New Year. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. The corruption of uh, language is... Uh, is followed by the corruption of man, Emerson wrote. I've always liked Confucius's construction. When people lose their language, people lose their liberties. Nowhere is that more true than in that which we discussed with Victor Hansen. But also, you can find it in very sharp relief with regard to COVID. The discussion on COVID over the past couple of days, if you've been following it a bit, is whether we are going to be changing what it means to be fully vaccinated. Have you caught up on that? Does fully vaccinated now require you to have a third shot? Will it somehow be a fourth shot as other countries are now doing? Will we be taking shots every month? If I mean, or every other month at, at, at four shots, we're pretty close to every other month, aren't we? We're pretty close to six. I don't know why we're surprised. I don't know why we're surprised. If you listen to this show, you know that in September, we've already changed at the CDC, we changed the definition of vaccine. They changed in the cover of night on their website their definition of vaccine. Why should we be surprised that we're going to change what it means to be fully vaccinated? Aha, Anthony Fauci to the rescue. He says we're not going to use the term fully vaccinated anymore. We're going to be saying, are your vaccinations up to date? And the redefinitions continue, as do the loss of liberties.
Oh, this this song actually raises an interesting question I wanted to throw your way, Bill, based on our music uh, conversation from the previous hour. What was your – it's a great conversation starter if you're ever looking for a conversation starter, um, people you don't know or you're just meeting or getting to know. What was your – I think it is. What was your first concert and what was your favorite concert? I think I know your favorite. It would have been Rush probably. Correct. Is that also your first? No, it's Metallica usually not. was my first. What was? Metallica. Oh, okay. Okay, so we get the genre here. We're getting, yeah. we're getting the genre. Okay. Yeah, it's usually not the same. Someone's first concert is not usually uh, their favorite. I couldn't guess yours, though. You, have, have you, My first seen, or favorite? Yeah. Well, you've seen Ario Speedwagon, but that's not your first, is it? Nor close to my favorite. Yeah, not, not either. No. I changed my first. I used to think it was um, uh, the Monkees uh, revival tour in 1986 or seven. With Herman's Hermits and Gary Puckett, uh, I thought that was my first concert. Until first concert, not favorite. Until my sisters reminded me that in the sixth grade, I made my dad take me to see Frank Sinatra. Better answer. First concert being Frank Sinatra, right? Uh, probably not my favorite, though. My favorite. There's a few competitors for it, but there was a, one show I saw uh, in D.C. that would take a lot of time to describe, but it was beautiful in so many respects. Probably, uh, yeah, I think it would be fair to say it was a Shania Twain concert in D.C. Uh, some of the stuff she did with the audience, the children, um, the people in the nosebleeds. She ran up to the nosebleed section, no security, you know, and just saying to them. Um, yeah, that would have probably been my favorite. Um, anyway, good answers, I would like to think. Good answers. The Monkees thing is an irony because when I saw them on their revival tour in 1986 or 1987, I saw them again this past year, or at least two of the remaining ones, and now there's only one left uh, because Mike Nesmith passed away. He was not in the revival tour, but he was in the Mickey Dolan's tour that I just saw. Now there's just Mickey Dolan's. Odd that I've seen the Monkees twice. They're not. I mean, they have some good music that was, of course, written by others, um, and they're fun, and it brings back memories. But mm, not great shows, uh, just not, but, you know, worth seeing. Check the box. Yeah, yeah. There's something else I want to do with you in a little bit to remind me to raise with you, the issue of, um, the, the issue of gifts and secret Santas. But before I do that, I want, to, I want to go back to this playing with language, the playing of games with our language on the COVID issue. Uh, we'll just stick with that for a moment. Are, is it your sense? It's probably your wish, but is it your sense? Let me know um, that it's ending not because COVID is ending, but because Americans are maturing by and large to that which conservatives by and large have been saying since, I don't know, March of 2020. As Heather McDonald put it yesterday, was she on yesterday or the day before? Yesterday? Dave, yeah, mm, it doesn't matter. As Heather McDonald said on our show this week, <laughs> everything we needed to know about COVID, almost we knew already in March of 2020. Now, of course, she's exaggerating just a little bit, but as pertains to what the public policy about it should be, she was in all 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 essentials right. 
One of the things that I'm wondering if we're beginning to see the end of our overreaction to it is the internecine fight now taking place on the left. I don't know if you've seen this. There's probably, now that Bill de Blasio is gone, there's probably no more left-wing mayor of a major city than Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago. Uh, And she's at war, political war, with the teachers' unions of Chicago. That's not something you often see, and it's over school closings and it's over COVID. I'm now seeing in San Francisco they're going through the same debate. In Los Angeles, they're going through the same debate. And, 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 And when the mayors are opposing the teachers' unions, which helped put them there, you're seeing one thing, but you're seeing another thing too, aren't you? Are people waking up to from their long slumber uh, to the confusion that the experts have sent them to? So, for example, when I mentioned that Anthony Fauci is now changing the language of keeping of uh, of of saying we now will say keeping your vaccinations up to date rather than being fully vaccinated. Are people waking up to this kind of nonsense? What kind of nonsense? Well, last month, the CDC said the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was no longer recommended, and they based it on the fact that uh, some people had been dying from it because of a rare disease it was causing. Well, yesterday, that was December. Yesterday, Anthony Fauci said, right now, optimal protection is with a third shot of mRNA or a second shot of J&J. When did J&J become kosher again? Whiplash. That's a band I'd go see. I'd go see Little River Band. I'd see them in concert just for the fun and the nostalgia of it. Probably wouldn't be anywhere in the top five or ten great concerts, but boy, there's a lot of great music in there. Uh, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, Dana and Chandler, Happy New Year, Dana. Happy New Year to you, Seth. How are you? I am fine. How are you? We are just fine. Everybody's great. Um, I called you today because, you know, we talk a lot about Back in the Blue and what a hard job they have. And I, I, I wholeheartedly appreciate everything that they do for us. But lately, I'm really, really struggling with Back in the Blue. And um, I found out something very disturbing today, and it was verified by a supervisor officer for um, Chandler PD. We, we got some new neighbors, and suffice it to say, we don't get along. And in retaliation for us having a motorhome in front of our house once in a while for loading and unloading. The neighbors decided he's going to leave his car parked in front of our house. Okay. <laughs> okay. A little anarchy. Okay. They have three car garage, a six car driveway and two cars. But yeah. One of the cars is in front of fine. Whatever. Okay. You know, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So the city is 48 hours. And if a vehicle doesn't move after 48 hours, it's considered abandoned. Mm-hmm. So, when the car sits there for more than 48 hours, we've called Chandler BD and said there's a car sitting in front of our house and it hasn't moved for 48 hours. Can you please, you know, come tag it? And if it doesn't move in another 48, tow it. That, that, that's the rule. So 
it happens pretty frequently. I'm I'm pretty on top of it, as you can imagine. I would imagine, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the minute the clock strikes 48 or 49 hours, I'm on the phone. I imagine, yes, uh, yes ma'am. You know, once in a while, I give them the benefit of the doubt of an extra day, but then I lose my patience. Okay. So the officer that came out earlier this week um, told us that if we continue to call and complain, that we will be cited. With what? So the problem isn't the neighbor leaving the car right. on the street for more than 48 hours. The problem now is me calling to report it, supposedly because I know that the car is not abandoned. Right, right. So if you see but something, you say something, text. you're going to be retaliated against. Oh, right. So now the blue is going to come after me, the citizen, who's trying to live their life within the rules and just make sure that everybody else has to follow the same rule. Um, and I find that... Yeah. Very difficult. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I don't know a lot about Chandler, but I'm wondering what happens if you were to call. I'm guessing that it's a community where you're closer to your your municipal representation or representatives than other communities, such as maybe Phoenix itself. But what would happen if you were to call – who's the mayor there? Is it Kevin Hart? Hart? Hartke? Well, I did call Kevin, yeah, Kevin Hart, and I did call his office, and he doesn't, the, the PD reports directly to the city manager, yeah, not yeah. the mayor. Right. So I've been in touch with the city manager's office. They don't live to call me back. They seemed a little concerned when I told his secretary or whoever she was that answered the phone the story, but they've never called me back, and, and the police officer today said that the city manager doesn't get involved in that. So I'm not sure if I'm getting the runaround. Or... Yeah, you're probably getting the runaround, but I'd also notify the mayor. I would I would reach out to the mayor. I mean, if the city manager is in charge or oversees this and says he's not or she's not getting involved, you have to go to their supervisor. I mean, I would take well, it. But to, I, I was told that the supervisor is the is the city manager. I understand, but they won't. They don't want to take involve. They don't want to get involved. So take it the next level up. Take it to the mayor. Take it to the mayor. I mean, see what the response is. I'd love to know. I'd love to know well, I would because do. I don't think they want. I don't. I mean, I would say it to them this. I would say to them this, or or the mayor. I would say to him this. I would say you don't really want in Chandler to start down a road that every other major city started down and now regrets by ignoring small crimes. You don't want to start down a road where broken windows starts to become the norm. I'm trying my best to be law-abiding, and I am being law-abiding. And in doing so, I'm being told to take a hike. This is about our community. This is about our neighborhood. This is about our municipality. This is your job. I, that's the message I would convey. I mean, San Francisco but didn't wake up and find itself to be the problematic San Francisco then it, that, that it is. It started by ignoring the small crimes, and it ended by redefining major crimes as small crimes. That's I, I yeah. think that's the best I can do. I, I, I'm not sure... I'm not I'm not I mean we don't 
Chandler doesn't want to become San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, right? I mean, that's the purpose of people moving to places like Chandler. <laughs> but I live in Chandler for a reason. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it, it does make it very difficult when all of a sudden you're threatening your citizens that are just, you know. Oh, absolutely. To... I mean, we live with lies. We it's do. Very... I mean, we're told not to, but we do. We do live with lies. And one of them, I, I have a list of them somewhere here. Bill knows more, better than I do. <laughs> but but one of them is if you see something, say something. It's a lie. The person who says something is going to probably yeah. be, in your as in your case, is probably going to be in more trouble than the person doing something. Right. Well, and I asked the police, I said... So now that this car is in the street, what happens if it's vandalized or it's damaged? Who are they going to come to first? They're going to come to me. Probably. Right? Because Probably. Plain. Probably. Right. So how do I protect myself from that? Well, what we can help you with <laughs> is this. Every show that we do is archived at 960thepatriot.com. Should that occasion... <laughs> Should that unfortunate occasion eventuate, Dana, I will come with amicus curiae defense of you bringing this show with me that we adumbrated and, 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 and did a general call out of immunity because actually what you've been trying to do is the right thing all along. I love you, Seth. Well, I, I am here for you. What else? It, it never occurred to me that a show, that a radio show, you, you, you ever watch those old Macmillan or Rockford Files or uh, what was the one with Peter Falk Columbo shows? You know, I've yeah. never seen the scenario where someone was proven innocent or guilty because of something they said on a radio show, but it should be the case. Let it well be known that that is how we are going to proceed. I remember seeing one. I think it was with Linda Ronstadt. I think it was um, one of those shows where they put in a, a tape, you know, uh, of 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 a, of a, of a, 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 on radio. So it sounded like it was live, but it wasn't. It's just sort of a false alibi. But I think we can do it with radio now. If they ever bring back a show that does those kinds of themes, Macmillan and was it Macmillan and Wife? I said to son. I think it was Macmillan and Wife, or. Uh, who is who is the guy in New York? Who is the Texan cowboy uh, in New York? Uh, Weaver, uh, uh, yeah, we, uh, Dennis Weaver. <laughs> what was that show called? I forget. Anyway, uh, yeah, if they ever do a show like that again, maybe maybe the authors could start with someone having a, a an adumbrated alibi by calling in on the radio show for their own immunity. Well, we'll be there for you, Dana. We'll be your amicus curiae. We'll be right back. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. There's my buddy Rick in Phoenix. How are you, Rick? Hello there, Seth, my Aristotelian friend. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm getting along good. Hey, it was good to hear from Dana, and uh, I empathize with her completely, and she reminded me that she and me and a whole bunch of us, I believe, are victims of the bureaucratic virus that has infected our country. I, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a virus that, um, that's far more, far more deadly and far more, let's put it this way, far more virulent and far more lethal yep. 
uh, over time than yeah. anything that we have been focused on as a nation in a long time. But the problem, of course, is that, you know, <laughs> early on there, there was this weird slander going around. You don't hear much of it anymore. But there were people that were called COVID deniers because oh, yeah. they were downplaying the potency of COVID, I suppose. And right. you don't hear people being called COVID deniers much anymore. I don't I don't know what happened to that phrase, how it originated or how it ended. But you can't deny the 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 thirst for for bureaucratic uh, control uh, by the progressives. It's been written about for years. You turn wasn't it you who turned me on? Was it you or one other who turned me on to a C.S. Lewis quote about this? Of course, yeah, he I mentions think- it in the intro to his Screw Tape letters. Yeah, that, that you know the con- okay good yeah, yeah. And, and 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 so you do have this virus mm-hmm. the sad thing about it is what's being said about the coronavirus is what's being said or what you and I might say about the bureaucratic virus we're just unfortunately learning to live with it yeah yeah and and the more we live with it the deeper the hole gets that we dig ourselves into. I'm afraid that we just have a whole lot of government entities that really don't care about much other than getting elected and extending their power and amassing as, uh, as, and spending as much money as they can. Yeah. You know that was one of the things that Heather McDonald. You mentioned her, yeah. and I think it was. I think it was in 2020. She had an article in uh, in Primus, uh, and it was dynamite. She blew the lid off the bureaucratic bungling of the CDC okay. and pointed out that basically for years now their primary function seems to be basically. Spending as much money as they can uh, to no end. Yeah, I mean and for no end. For no thought... end. I mean they have been an utter failure. Let's let's remember yeah. the full name of the CDC. As long as we're being bureaucrats, it's the Centers for Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Right. How, how they doing? Yeah, yeah. That's why they miss COVID. That's why they are, have mishandled COVID and continue to mishandle it. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Sir. Well, thank you, Rick. I I bless you, sir. Thank you. And happy new year to you as well. Absolutely. Eleanor McCants Katz coming right up. You don't want to miss this. She was on to this early on. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.